there, everybody. How's it going? How's it going, Duchess? Everybody having a good night tonight? Yeah? Yeah. This is the Frogs of War podcast, TCU podcast that records every week. And this is our week at Dutch's Locker Room. It feels like it's been a while. It has been a while, but it's we're here. We're going to preview the TCU-Oklahoma State football game, talk a little bit about TCU basketball as well. It's good to be back here. Yeah, it is. And it's uh, good to be in basketball season, too, for the first time since uh, yes. we've gone live. Yes, at the time of this recording and at the time of this live show, if you're watching on Facebook or here at Dutch's, uh, TCU basketball is 3-0. and and they have a game tonight against Lipscomb. Yeah, which is a deceptively good Lipscomb program, a, a tournament team from a year ago that brings back all five starters. And so we should have a really entertaining matchup over at the Schollmeyer this evening. We should. It'll be really fun, and we'll have all of the info about that game as it happens and afterwards on frogswar.com. But, Melissa, it's just a few days before the potential very end of TCU's football season. Final game, Saturday, 7 p.m., Oklahoma State. Yeah, it's uh, it's been an up and down season for the Horn Frogs. Um, mostly down, maybe a down and down, and occasionally up season. But TC coming off of a big win against Baylor, uh, played really well on both sides of the ball, despite more and more players dropping like flies and going down to who is probably listed as your fourth string quarterback coming into the season. Uh, Frogs have a little positive momentum to end. The players are very motivated to uh, get to a bowl game, especially for the senior class, which has so many, as Gary Patterson put up today, really good dudes in it. Uh, mm-hmm. I-, I think we're going to get the best possible performance from TCU Saturday night against Oklahoma State. The question will be, do they have enough left on both sides of the ball, especially on the offensive side of the ball, to keep up with a really high-powered Cowboys offense? You're right, because uh, Oklahoma State has come into their own over the last couple of weeks, playing Oklahoma right down to the wire on the 10th. One-point loss there, 48-47, uh, to 47, and then obviously upsetting West Virginia last Saturday, 45-41. to 41. Uh, It has been a pretty interesting uh, season for for the Cowboys in that uh, I, I don't think their fan base was incredibly impressed with their quarterback early on. Uh, Taylor Cornelius, fifth-year kid, uh, walk-on, worked out uh, for five years and finally got his shot. Patterson actually compared him a lot to Grayson Mulestein today in his press mm-hmm. conference. Um, but really, you know, they, they started out 3-0, and lost to Texas Tech, beat Kansas and then lost to Iowa State and Kansas State back-to-back and, and really asked a lot of questions uh, about who their quarterback was and about the kind of talent that they had. They had some significant transfers uh, leave the program earlier this year. And, uh, you know, it's just been an up-and-out season for Oklahoma State. They, just like TCU, vying for a bowl appearance, sitting at – no, they're actually – they're at 6-5, six, and five, yeah. right, because they, they beat West Virginia. So they're at 6-5. and five. They're in the bowl – uh, bowl eligibility now, and TCU's trying to trying to do the same thing. So it should be um, an interesting matchup on Saturday, if for no other reason, like you said, then this is a high-powered offense that's really, uh, really going to test TCU's depth again. Well, and, and the TCU defense has been playing so unbelievably well. Um, I'm, I'm working on a piece now for the site about just what they've accomplished despite the fact that they have gone through so many players on that side of the ball. And Gary Patterson made reference to it today uh, as well in his press conference about how many teams in, in Big 12 history have won game scoring, you know, 14, 
14 and, and 17 points um, and have also lost a game where they only allowed 17 points. And so I think that, uh, that he's been pretty pleased with the, the effort he's gotten out of his guys, the way the young guys have stepped up, um, the, the way that, that they've developed depth, depth throughout the season. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see if they can yet again hold down a, a really explosive offense um, enough to be able to – because this team isn't going to score 30 points. No. I mean, there's not 30 points on that offense they're right po- now. They might not score 20. Yeah. they're very li- If they're going to win this game, they're going to do it because they force a lot of turnovers, and they can hold Oklahoma State probably under 17. I, I think that seems to be the TCU magic number at this point. It really does. And, you know, you look at some of the teams that TCU has stifled um, this season. Texas Tech has put up a tremendous amount of points throughout the year. They only scored 17 against TCU. Baylor has, uh, you know, has seen their offense really improve week over week over week. TCU held them to nine points. Yeah. Um, like Patterson said, like you mentioned, they've won with 17, 16, and 14 points in conference play this year. So regardless of, of injuries at this point, it's pretty clear that TCU's defense is going to come to play. Yeah. Um, but it, you're absolutely right. It's a matter of stifling some of those incredible, incredible talents on the offensive side of the ball. Specifically, I think one of the biggest guys that they're going to have to worry about is Tylen Wallace, their big, their big wide receiver. He's got 1,300 yards receiving on the year, 11 receiving touchdowns. The guy is a Benaric finalist for the best wide receiver in college football, and he has been absolutely incredible, especially in his last four games. In his last four games, well, really the three games leading into the West Virginia game, uh, he did have two touchdowns against West Virginia, though. He had against Texas, 10 receptions for 222 yards and two touchdowns. Against Baylor, he had eight receptions for 122 yards and a touchdown. He had 10 receptions for 220 yards and two touchdowns against OU, and seven catches for 62 yards and two touchdowns against West Virginia. This is a guy who has been absolutely dominant. He's had 700-plus yard receiving games on the year. He's had a touchdown in all but three games this year. Uh, this is a guy who Jeff Gladney and Ridwan Isahaku are really going to have to pay attention to yeah. in the secondary. But he's not, by any stretch of the imagination, the only skilled player that they've got. They've got Tyron Johnson, Dylan Stoner, Chubba Hubbard coming back. They've got uh, Justice Hill in the backfield. That is obviously a huge, um, huge player for them. And and so, uh, you know, just you look all over this Oklahoma State roster, and they're probably one of the most talent-rich skill position teams yeah. on offense in the Big 12, you know, behind West Virginia and, and Oklahoma. Well, and, and they've, they've stepped up big in big moments, too. I mean, yeah. they've knocked off Texas when they were a top 10 team. They knocked off Oklahoma, uh, West Virginia when they were a top 10 team. And mm-hmm. like you said, they came within one point of knocking off a, a top 10 Oklahoma squad as well. And so yeah. the, the, the thing that's the most interesting to me about this game is um, not just the matchups of how Gary Patterson and Mike Gundy are going to kind of go tête-à-tête, but how mm-hmm. much does Oklahoma State care? Because yeah, they have point. gotten up for big games. They got up for Boise State. They got up for WVU, OU, and Texas. But they yeah. have looked as bad as anybody at times this season as well. This is true. And it's so is it, is it a matter of them coming on and, and shining bright under the lights at home? Or is this a team that's finding their groove at the right time? And I guess we'll find out a little bit Saturday night, which is which. I guess so. I mean, you're right. And, and most of those bad losses came early in the season. They, I mean, the Texas Tech loss came week four. The Iowa State and Kansas State games came or losses came uh, week seven and uh, six and seven. And and you know they they lost to Baylor as well, which was interesting considering what Baylor's offense looked like a, a week ago. Um, so you're right. Maybe it is a matter of them getting up for big games, and they're already you know 
bowl eligible, so maybe this is something that they just kind of cruise through. But realistically, you know, TCU is only two and five against Oklahoma State since they've joined yeah. the Big Twelve. So this isn't a game that TCU can take lightly, yeah. and I don't think they will. We we had a chance to talk to Amari DeMarcado today and Ty Summers as part of the press uh, press conference today. And DeMarcado said something really profound. You know, he's like, this is – he was asked, how does he feel that now that this is his – kind of his job for this week, he's going to be the starting running back with, with Shea and Darius Anderson out. Um, and he said, you know, it's bigger than me. It's senior day. We're fighting for bowl eligibility. We want to do whatever we can for these seniors <laughs> to make sure that they go out, uh, you know, having had a chance to play in another bowl game. Um, so if other players are following his lead – I think TC is going to come in and really have a good shot well, to get the win. And for a guy who's in his first year with the program, who's a, a late signee, a May signee, is a JUCO transfer, for him to have that kind of perspective kind of makes me think that this does mean a lot. And, and if you, I was there um, Saturday in Waco, and if you saw the scene, we kind of walked by the locker room and then the hallway, and you could hear the music and the celebration. Yeah. And, and that game meant a lot to him. And I think it meant a lot, A, because it is Baylor, and, and beating Baylor still does matter to TCU by yeah. all means. Uh-huh. And, and beating TCU still matters a lot to Baylor, too. If you had seen the atmosphere in McLean, Stadium Saturday. It was clear that was a big game, especially for an 11 a.m. game. The place yeah. was packed. Um, and, and I did like, we'll, we'll get to the shade that Gary Patterson has now thrown in back-to-back uh, press availabilities on that. But um, I think that, that it mattered to them, A, for beating Baylor, but it also mattered to them because it kept the bowl dream alive. And this mm-hmm. is a huge senior class. I mean, you're talking 30-plus guys and, and probably... 10 to 12 significant players on both sides of the ball that are seniors this year. And this is their senior night. This is their last opportunity. I think these players want to get this team to a bowl game and have an opportunity to send those guys out on a high note. Yeah, I definitely uh, I definitely agree with you. Uh, when you've got guys like Ben Banigou and Ty Summers and LJ Collier and uh, you know, just so many guys. Lucas Niang on the offensive line. All these kids that you He's really... He's only a junior. Oh, he is? Yeah. Oh, okay, well, thank God because we yeah. desperately need him next year. Um, but you've got... You're right. You've got a ton of guys that are seniors. Um, Markel Simmons being one. Jawan Johnson, the transfer in. Gladney is another one. Um, you're right. This is a big moment for these guys to really step up and honor the senior class. A senior class that has never lost to Baylor. Their first loss to Texas was this year. Yeah. You know? Um, and so they've done things in state that are incredibly impressive. They've helped take this program and really make it a complete Big 12 program. You know, they were freshmen in 2015. Ty Summers talked a little bit today about his favorite memory as a TCU football player was making that fourth and one tackle in the rain against Baylor his freshman year. Yeah. And, you know, he said it just as well as you just said it, you know, beating Baylor still matters. Yeah. And so. Uh, I think the next step for this team is getting bowl eligible because that also matters. It would be the 18th time in 21 years under Gary Patterson's leadership that TC will have made a bowl game. Uh, and, and that is a number that is incredibly impressive in a college football landscape where parity is becoming yeah. a mo- more and more of a reality every day unless you're Alabama or Clemson. Yeah. Um, you know, you look at the standings in the Big 12 this week, there's uh, one team that's six and five, and there are four teams that are five and six. And if Oklahoma State had lost on Saturday, there would be five teams that yeah. are five and six right now. Parity is real, uh, and I think that it's a testament to, to Gary Patterson and to the senior class that they've been able to do uh, to have this sustained level of success for so long. Well, and, and I think one of the things that um, uh, sorry, just something really odd just came up on the Facebook there. Um, wow, that's nice. 
Uh, other question. I so, don't know, Drake. Yeah, I don't I, know. Drake, I think that people that ask that question on social media are probably not people I'm going to talk to. Um, so, uh, <laughs> it's really thrown. If you are listening to this on the pod tomorrow, just go check the Facebook questions. <laughs> on I, the, yeah. I don't uh, anyways, understand that. So what Patterson said is that's one group that you don't want to be a part of. It's, yeah. it's the group that doesn't make a bowl game. And so mm-hmm. um, he also did – It's. I think that he has mixed feelings personally on, on what Gary Patterson, as far as whether he wants to see this team make a bowl, because, you know, when asked today if he, how valuable those practices would be, one of the comments he made was it depends if you have enough guys to actually practice which may be questionable for TCU uh, during a bowl prep. But at the end of the day, uh, it is about these seniors. It is about guys that have, have given to the program for four or five years or, or one or two years mm-hmm. and getting them an opportunity to go out in the high note and, and continue that incredible streak of making a bowl game so much more often than not. And I, I think it would be a disappointment and, and be a disappointment for recruiting as well if the Frogs weren't able to get that sixth win on Saturday and, and propel themselves to the postseason. I definitely agree with you. And, and there are other kind of little things to watch out for on Saturday too uh, that are more related to individual performances. Uh, the one at the top of the list, at least for me, is that Jalen Rager is only 30 yards away from a 1,000-yard receiving season. Wow, yeah. He's had 970 receiving yards on 64 receptions, eight touchdowns, which matches his eight touchdown receptions from a season ago. Uh, and it, it's still kind of astonishing to me that in, in all of TCU's history, they've only had two guys who have eclipsed the 1,000-yard receiving mark. Josh Doxson did it twice in 2014 and 2015. And Reggie Harrell in 2003 yeah. is the other one. Everybody will say, no, Josh Boyce did it. He didn't. He, he had close. 998 yeah. yards. And those two yards matter. Um, Ask any team that's come really close to winning a Super Bowl, but they've gotten tackled two yards short. Tennessee, Tennessee Titans, Titans, I'm looking yep. at you. Um, Atlanta Falcons, I'm looking at you as well. Rest in peace. Um, but, yeah, so he'll be – if he gets 30 receiving yards, you know, with a third-string quarterback and an Oklahoma State defense that is okay, yeah. um, obviously it's not a guarantee. But if he does, to be the third player to do that in TCU history, I think is indicative of – his uh, level of play throughout his first two years. I mean, he's a true sophomore. He's already uh, sixth on the team, or sixth all-time in touchdown receptions, maybe fifth with that one on on Saturday against Baylor, all-time. He's top 20 all-time in receptions. He's top 20 all-time in receiving yards. And this is a kid who has at least one more year, hopefully two, but realistically probably one more season to really kind of show what he has to NFL scouts. Um, And if you look at the trend of receivers, their third year in a program at TCU, that's the year where they really have a huge uptick. Well, and if if you add into the fact that he's currently tied for consecutive games with a touchdown with six, has a chance to break that record as well on Saturday, Mm -hmm. but he has done that. He has caught touchdowns now from three different quarterbacks over the last four games, I believe, maybe five games. So if he gets some consistency, if if we have a a guy that can come in and can start for all 12, 12 games next season, imagine what he can do. I mean, you could be talking about, you know, maybe an 1100 or 1200 yard season, double digit touchdowns. And as he tweeted, that a uh, it's a the Blitnikoff right the Blitnikoff, dark, yeah, yeah the Blitnikoff he he said that he will be a finalist for the Blit, Blitnikoff award he tweeted that and I believe it yeah I have no doubt Absolutely he's certainly capable it. especially when you consider next year like he might be even bigger of a presence in the receiving game simply because you lose Jerison Stewart and yeah. Jalen Austin uh, who have been relatively inconsistent presences this year in the receiving game Tay Barber obviously is coming back hopefully. 
you'll get Omar Manning back in yeah. the fold after his yeah. synod. Yeah, I forgot about him, yeah. Um, but realistically, Jalen Rager is the clear number one wide receiver. He is the elite wide receiver that TCU has longed for since the departure of Josh Doxson. Well, and, and what, what I'm hoping for as well, the yeah, the sky's the limit for him, absolutely. But what I'm hoping that we see to Valence Hunt develop into yeah. a, a big option on the outside as well John as... Stevens Jr. Yeah, and, and, and if those guys can play to their potential and take some of the heat off of Jalen and enable yeah. uh, the offensive uh, unit to move him around a little bit. Like, if he can play inside, outside, do some different things, then, then again, like, I mean, every record could be shattered next season, assuming there's yeah. a consistent line and consistent quarterback play. Absolutely, and I think there will be because there is a guy who everybody's been hoping will oh. play a little bit this year who's actually probably going to be the starter next year, and that's Justin Rogers. Yeah. So uh, I think with, with Rogers playing quarterback – um, things will be a lot more stable on offense. Uh, staying on the offensive side of the ball, but talking about another player who I'm really curious to see how, how well he plays on Saturday is the guy who's going to be starting at running back. We've already mentioned him, Amari DeMarcado. Uh, he played the bulk of the second half against Baylor on Saturday and looked pretty good considering uh, how many injuries TCU has had, including along the offensive sure. line. Um, he has uh, 162 rushing yards on the season with 37 attempts. Uh, but realistically for him, I think it's more about just keeping the pressure off of, uh, off of the mule and ensuring that uh, he's, he's falling forward every play. You know, this is a guy who Patterson spoke really highly of today in his press conference saying, you know, he ran for over 1,000 yards uh, in JUCO last year. He's an incredibly intelligent player. He mentioned today that he is currently an engineering major who is switching his major to economics. So the guy is brilliant. Uh, Patterson, met, Patterson named that too, saying he's a great student. Uh, he's a thinker on the field. And uh, he has great vision, too, for a running back. Mm -hmm. And Patterson said he always seems to fall forward. So, Well, and, uh, and one he, thing that makes us really understand the depth of his intelligence is that I asked him a really tough question today. Yeah. And I asked him to make a judgment as a, as a California guy to make a judgment on oh the great God. debate. And he was 100% team in and out. So, well, okay, so he's not as smart as I thought he was. That's fine. <laughs> so I'm, I'm guaranteeing 200 yards rushing and two touchdowns on Saturday night. Yeah, that's not game. happening. But, but in, in all reality, a, a really just an enjoyable kid. Like, it's it's exciting to see him and Grayson Mielstein get their opportunities because they're kids that, that have have overcome some things, that waited for their opportunities, have been patient. I mean, Amari committed to TCU uh, knowing that, that it was Shawo and Jet this year and, and that he was going to probably have to sit. But he's a guy that back in fall camp, um, coaches raved about, Coach Patterson raved about, every Everybody said that he was a guy that would that would surprise if he got his opportunity if if his name was called and now that his name has been called I guess we're going to find out just what exactly he can do. Yeah, we really are. Um, but realistically, as well as as he plays, it's all it all comes down to Grayson Mulestein yeah. and just and and just to how well he can handle the moment. His first start, his first week preparing as the starter, uh, and that changes. Um, that that changes the way uh, that you approach the game. You know, I, I asked Dan Mercado that today. Uh, are you changing anything as you get prepared to be the starter this week than, than from weeks past? And he said no. But I think even just from a mentality standpoint, like you can't help but be a little bit different yeah. when you know that you're going to be the guy moving forward. And with Grayson, uh, you know, Patterson said this after the Baylor game, Oklahoma State knows that he's going to be the guy yeah. now. And that changes the way that you prepare. That changes the way your, your opposing defense prepares. Um, you know, if he is not capable of getting the ball distributed 
Yeah. Then this is going to be probably a long day for TCU. Yeah, and you know the thing that he did really well on Saturday against Baylor was that he played within himself. Yeah. He wasn't looking to throw a lot of deep balls, but he but he certainly put it out there a couple of times. He got the ball in his playmaker's hands quickly and accurately. Mm-hmm. He knew he knows how to run. You know, we, we heard all about Mike Collins being a guy that was a better runner than you thought. Well, the mule was, was quite the runner coming out of Decatur. Yeah. Was a was a true dual-threat quarterback and one of the best in the state mm-hmm. as a high school senior. He was a really heavily touted guy when he signed with TCU along with Foster Sawyer he's back a four in the day. Star. Yeah, he, he's a, four a star great kid. player. Um, and so I think that, that he's capable of protecting. As long as he doesn't turn the ball over, that's going to be the key. And, you know, the thing that impressed me most is the snaps were all over the place Saturday, I think, with some shifting in the line, especially once Austin Myers went out. I don't know if that just kind of jumbled everybody a little bit and got yeah. him off kilter, but the snaps were all over the place. He, he handled the ball, handled it well. He was quickly he quickly got composed once he had the ball. He never looked nervous. He made two wrong reads um, on that last drive of the game that everybody was wondering what the heck they were doing, uh, that Patterson said, you know, the, the the play was called. He was supposed to hand it off. I don't know what he was doing. And, and Mulesign said afterwards that they had made some switches into how they called plays, and he just wasn't adjusted to that. So I expect that to be yeah. uh, to be fixed by Saturday night. But if he plays within himself, and, and the thing I've loved about Mule and I loved about Mike Collins is that those two guys were smart enough to come in and find a way to get the ball Jalen Rager. Yeah. And if you do that, a lot of good things tend to happen. So I'm excited to see how he plays. Um, it, it is it, This has an opportunity to be – uh, Bram Kohlhausen dream kind of story here on Saturday if, if he can do something amazing. Um, and it'll it'll be fun just to see him hopefully rise up and, and make a memory in, in his final start at T- or his first and final start at TCU. Well, it won't be his final start if... Well, his final start at, 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 at the Carter. Yeah, yeah, at the Carter. Yeah, and he, you know, he was 11 for 15 on Saturday, 137 yards, touchdown, 10 rushing yards. Um, and, and really, you're absolutely right. He, he played within himself... He didn't turn the ball over, um, and, and that was that was to the benefit of TCU, especially when you consider that TCU's defense was um, that turned the ball over more significantly in any single yeah. game than they had all year. Uh, I think four takeaways, three takeaways from three from take, Baylor. Yeah, um, yeah Ben Vanity had the forced fumble, and, and the, a funny note about that uh, after the game, one of the reporters asked him what what he thought when he forced the fumble and Banigou admitted that he had no idea the ball had come out. Oh, but, nice, But yeah. the minute that he saw his teammates celebrating, he started celebrating too and just was hoping that nobody would notice, <laughs> which was good. Ben, Ben's a character. He's I'm a great I'm going to miss that guy yeah, next I'm year. Too. That kid, first of all, I, you talk to a lot of these kids, and they all seem incredibly intelligent. Yeah. Um, ben seems like a genuinely good human being. Yeah. He's always incredibly respectful. He knows the right things to say. He seems genuine and authentic. Um, and then you put him on a football field, and he's, he's going to tear mean, mean your face off. It's pretty incredible. Um, and, you know, Oklahoma State, given their up-and-down season, uh, you know, it's kind of, um, you know, you look at, at one of the main factors in that, and I think it might be turnovers. If their, if their website would um, actually work, I might be able to, to to see this a little bit quicker. Well, no, while, while you're while you're looking for that, I will mention one thing that should give TCU fans some uh, some confidence here is that Ty Summers was asked about uh, Taylor Cornelius Cornelius's nickname, Corn and Dog. Corn Dog, and and Summers with a with a very much with a laugh said, "I don't think we can go lose into a guy named Corn Dog." So 
it's yeah. been a pretty good line. So they've they've turned the ball over 18 times this year. They've thrown wow. 10 interceptions. They've fumbled it 14 times and lost eight of those fumbles. So realistically, uh, if this defense comes out and plays like they did against Baylor, the opportunity will probably be there to force a few turnovers sure. and to really put pressure on Oklahoma State's defense. Um, and if that is the case, then uh, you know anything can happen, just yeah. like it did on Saturday. Absolutely. All right, Melissa, give me your predictions. Uh, 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 I, I have yet to feel confident. I haven't felt confident picking TCU probably since the Texas game. Yeah. Um, and, and it's hard to do that, too. But at the same token, I think that we're going to get a good crowd Saturday night. I think the seniors are going to show up absolutely ready to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you're going to get great performances from Ben. I think Amari is going to have a big day. And I think Grayson will do enough and not make any big mistakes. And that's going to be the key. And so... Uh, I, I think Patterson will have his guys ready, and I think that they'll show up to play. And so I'm gonna. This is gonna be an ugly one. But yeah. Give me, give me 1917 TCU. I like a it. Ben Banigou safety is the difference. <laughs> late. Wow. I uh, I am nervous about Tylen Wallace. Uh, the kid has been lights out for the last four weeks. Has really been a force all year. And as good as Baylor's receiving core is, they don't have a game changer yeah. like that. The last time we saw a game changer like that was two weeks ago against West Virginia. Yeah. When you had Jennings and Sills and all of those kids uh, lined up with Will Greer. Um, I think Greer is a better quarterback than Cornelius. That's without a doubt. For sure. But yeah. um, I am nervous about what happens if Wallace starts to assert himself in the secondary a little bit. Yeah. I do think... TCU is going to give this game everything they have. Um, I'm going to say Oklahoma State 27, TCU 20. Yeah, I really think – I don't think it's a coin flip. I think you have to favor the Cowboys. Yeah. But I'm hoping for just a little bit of mule magic Saturday night because that's what it's going to take. Something something special is going to have to happen, but – I'd love to see this team make a bowl game. I, th- I think they need it. I think that it. I, I want to see Ty Summers play one more time. He's mm-hmm. a he's a doubtful to possible for Saturday night. Want to get one more game of Ben for him to put something really magic special on his reel. Yeah. Um, you know, LJ Collier is a guy who's probably a fringe seventh round draft pick right now, but could work his way up a little bit. So I'd love to see those guys get one more opportunity. I would. I would too. Uh, you know, and it, as much as it might be nice. Um, Parker said this last week on the on the podcast. It might be nice uh, if TCU just had the opportunity to get yeah. healthy yeah. this offseason rather than having to prepare for a bowl. Patterson mentioned the recruiting advantage that he sure. has. If, if you're not in a bowl game and trying to prepare uh, to play another opponent, you can hit the recruiting trail pretty hard. Um, he talked a lot about recruiting today, too. Um, didn't mention that aspect of it. but But realistically... Uh, this team needs to try to do everything that they can to get that sixth win and get a bowl yep. game because the reputation of the program is you, you win, go to bowls. You, you go to bowls. You do that here. Uh, and to not do that, as you said earlier, uh, we, that would be a disappointment. Yeah. It would be a disappointment. It would be, it'd be a real negative mark on a senior class that has done anything but deserve that. Yeah. And it's not their fault. It's, it's no one's fault that TCU has been – there's just a lot of more, things that have gone wrong. More bitten by the injury bug than you could have ever guessed yeah. the team would be. And, and this this team healthy isn't winning ten games, but they're, they're winning, winning seven or eight. Probably winning eight. Yeah. I mean, they're beating Kansas. They're probably beating Texas Tech yeah. if the defense plays the way that it did. And you flip those two games right there, you're talking about a yeah. seven and three team or yep. seven and four team right now. Yeah, and that, that's probably more true to what the Frogs should have been this year. Yeah. Which would have put them so. like fourth in the Big Twelve, fourth yeah. or fifth. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, they sit fifth. Season. They sit fifth right now. Yeah, it's a at, weird. At five and six. All of this, and we sit fifth in the conference right now. It's been a weird, weird season. It has been. It has been very strange. But TCU and Oklahoma State aren't the only two teams that play on Saturday. As much as we may want that to be the case, um, there are four other big, five other Big Twelve games uh, that happen. Sorry, four other Big Twelve games that happen on Saturday. The first of which is um, at eleven a.m. Thanksgiving. Uh, Friday after Thanksgiving, Texas, as the number 15 team in the country, sitting at 8-3 and three, with a chance to go to the Big 12 championship, travels to Lawrence. Is there any way, no. is there any hope whatsoever that they Probably lose not. that game? Probably not. I mean, uh, Kansas already got less, their one win this year. Les yeah. Miles maybe, uh, maybe you know, in tangentially inspires yeah. the Jayhawks. They did score 40 points against Oklahoma Oof. last Saturday. Oklahoma defense is Puka Williams terrible. ran all over Oklahoma. But uh, I don't see Texas losing this game. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping, but I, yeah, I think I think we are going to officially anoint Texas as back after Saturday when they make it to the Big 12 championship game. I still don't. I still. They're I've, not very I've, good. It's a bad I've, conference. I have stood by this take all year, and I will continue to stand by this. I don't think Texas is as back as people want them no. to be. I just think the Big 12 is really actually suffering a down year this yeah. year. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It, it is a. It is a bad. Not a bad year. It's a very. Parity filled it's and injury a, it's filled. It's a mediocre year. Big Twelve. Yeah, you have you have a, a good team in Oklahoma who's elite on one side of the ball and terrible on the other. Yeah. You have a an inconsistently potentially good team in West Virginia, and you have Texas who is capable of looking like world beaters or looking like they could lose at Kansas on Saturday. Yeah, yeah you're absolutely right. Uh, another 11 a.m. game is Baylor and Texas Tech. Baylor goes, or I guess this game's at Cowboy Stadium as butt it is bowl. every year. Yeah. The Butt Bowl. They are both five and six, which means the Butt Bowl winner gets to go to an actual bowl. If Cliff Kingsbury and Texas Tech lose this game, is he is he fired? He's got to be, right? I don't think so. I mean, he's got to be. I think he. I think they he's have got lost one more year. They, they're five and six. They were sitting at five and two. They've I, lost I four straight games. They lost to Iowa State by nine. They lost to Oklahoma by five. They lost to Texas by seven. They lost to Kansas State last week. By 15. I mean, they've been a worse and worse team for the last four weeks. I think the the Alan Bowman injury buys them another year. You do? I do. I think Alan Bowman. And I also do think that they win this weekend. I think that TCU probably took the last little bit of gas out of Baylor. And and Charlie Brewer's probably still sitting in the cold tub. Yeah, he got, oh my gosh, he got hit hard and hard and And hard. And often, yeah. um, Against against, uh, TCU last week. Uh, At 6 p.m., Kansas State goes to Iowa State. Iowa State looking for their seventh win of the year. They need a little help. If Kansas beats Texas and Iowa State beats Kansas State, then Kansas State goes. And I think if Oklahoma beats West Virginia, then 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 Iowa State State goes to the Big 12 championship. Which is crazy to think a seven or eight win team. I would love nothing more than Iowa State fans to travel yes. down and to be at Cowboys yes. Stadium. Yes, because I will go they to that would, game. Yeah, they would be incredible. Uh, I I am also going to call this happening. Uh, Iowa State wins Saturday, and Bill Snyder announces his retirement Sunday. I wouldn't be shocked by that. Yeah, I would not be I shocked. Fo- by I that fully at all. expect that to happen. The, the, there is uh, sparks of flying and, and a lot of smoke. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, you know, it's time. It's time. I mean, he's he's kind of ruined a little bit of his reputation there with the way that he's acted the last couple of years and, and especially with trying to push his son as the next head yeah. coach you know he's I, I think he's tarnished his legacy a little bit 
Um, I, I think agree. I think when you get distance from his retirement, Kansas State's really still going to look back on him the way he deserves sure. to be looked back on. But well, because they're going to be terrible without him. And he, but he, yeah, he just definitely hasn't finished well. Yeah. Um, the the other game uh, that happens at seven o'clock on Saturday is Oklahoma travels to Morgantown, seven p.m. Oklahoma West Virginia game of game of the week, right? I mean, this is it. Yeah, I mean, it, West Virginia's playing to get into the Big 12 championship. Yeah. I mean, this is a win or go home. And the thing that's super unfortunate is that, once again, it's been proven that West Virginia can't win big games in November. Uh-huh. Uh, they've really, really laid an egg against Oklahoma State. And, again, this is an Oklahoma State team that has played well. But the way that, that uh, uh, Dana Holgerson handled that fourth quarter, mishandled that fourth quarter, it's got to give you so a bad. lot of pause if you're a Mountaineer fan. Uh this is a game that if they want to be considered an elite program, they yeah. have to win. Mm-hmm. I don't think they do it. I don't think so either. I think Oklahoma's offense is too stout. I think that there are tendencies on offense for West Virginia that really stall them out. And I think that's more of a coaching thing yeah. than it is a player's thing at this point because Will Greer and those receivers have proven time and time again that they're capable of pretty much scoring at will. Uh, Oklahoma's defense is bad enough to where I wouldn't be totally shocked if West Virginia comes out and wins this game, especially since it's a night game in Morgantown, and those people are going to be insane. They They were incredibly nice when Dean and I were there a couple weeks ago. I I still think that it's mostly because they knew they were going to kill us. And on Saturday, you're looking up the weather. It's supposed to be 47 and raining. That helps West Virginia. Does it, though? Because they're well, a passing offense, too. But they're used to playing in those conditions. And that's the one True. thing I'll give them is that if you can slow down Kyler Murray and yeah. just keep him contained in the pocket. Mm-hmm. When TCU made their second quarter comeback and there was that glimmer of hope at halftime, it was because they were able to keep Murray in the pocket. Yeah. And, and they were able to get to hit him a couple of times. And West Virginia has some nice players on defense. Uh, they're not elite, but they're definitely better than Oklahoma's defense. If you get... Maybe a ball slips out, a weird fumble, maybe an interception because Murray's footing isn't good. That's really, I think, your best hope for beating them is they're going to have to win the turnover battle. And yeah. this is going to be a shootout. I mean, this, which means it's going to be a 17-14 to 14 game, but the it big, should be a shootout. The Big 12 doesn't play defense. Yeah, so the, the Big 12 doesn't play defense. But, hey, have you seen the scoring in the NFL this year? It's unbelievable. Kills me. Kills me. Uh, so let's go around the big uh, around the conference. Sorry, let's try that for a third time. Let's go around college football a little bit. There are other, other big games happening. Um, that may have uh, playoff implications, the first of which probably has the fewest implications for the college football playoff. Washington State hosts Washington. If Washington State wins, they go to the Pac-12 championship. They're probably going to be the Pac-12 champion, barring an upset. Who do you have to win this game? Uh, I think Wazoo's a better football team. Washington hasn't done a lot to impress me in the last three years. Yeah. Um, Wazoo's pretty good, and since this game is in Pullman, I expect that crowd to be in full throat. Um, I I think Jake Browning's going to turn it over a couple of times, and and the Pirate will be in the Pac-12 championship. I agree. I think that Washington State wins, and I, I wonder, though, if Utah has what it takes to beat them in the Pac-12 championship. It's going to be it's an interesting matchup. You better believe that I'm pulling for the Utes. Really? Um, oh, yeah. Former Mountain West bunkmate. Yeah. Getting, no, getting after that Power 5 championship. I want yeah. that for them. I want I, that for them. I'd love to see Wazoo get one. I'm here for that, too. I mean, I love the Pirate, but I, and I do think that Washington State wins this game. I don't think Washington is as good as their record reflects. Sure. Simply yeah. because the Pac-12 isn't very good this no, year. No, not at all. Uh Two teams that have proven that they're pretty good. One, I think, is significantly better than the other. Uh, Big Ten, Michigan, Ohio State. Jim Harbaugh's kryptonite has been the Buckeyes 
but they're clearly the better team this year, even though both of them have 10-1 and records. But this game is in the shoe. Who do you have winning that game? It's at 11 a.m. Wow. Michigan is favored by four. I think Michigan gets it done. Um, man, I just want to see Urban Meyer stomping around the sidelines one more time. I want him to retire. Yeah. he. he uh, I want him to lose and, and have th- this is health the, issues again. This is... This is the worst. How many wins does Ohio State have? Like nine, ten? ten? This is the worst ten-win Power Five team I've ever seen. I don't know. We watched Florida State in 2014 go undefeated. That is true. Second worst Power Five ten. Um, I think Michigan gets it done, assuming that Shea Patterson is decent. Yeah. Uh, This Ohio State defense is not good since Bosa went down. Uh, Their offense is powerful but inconsistent, and Urban Meyer just seems completely checked out in a lot of ways, uh, So, except during the sidelines when he's throwing tantrums. So yeah. I think it's going to be close. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be low scoring, uh, and everyone's going to be raving about how great Michigan is by the end of the weekend. I think Ohio State wins. Uh, I, I don't think Jim Harbaugh is a good enough coach to get this team over the hill. Um, uh, and despite the improvements that we've seen from them this year, I don't think that it's going to be enough to beat Ohio State in the horseshoe. Does Ohio State, if there's any chaos whatsoever, do they jump up far enough to be a playoff contender? I don't know. I think it depends on where they're ranked this week. Tonight, yeah. Um, The rankings are coming out right now. We see that West Virginia fell all the way to 13. They were jumped by Florida and Penn State. Texas moved up to 14. Uh, Kentucky is sitting at 15, which I don't understand. I don't understand a lot of these rankings. I don't understand that. Syracuse dropped to 20 we saw just a moment ago. Um, I, 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 I'm curious because if, if Ohio State jumps, say, two spots, the, uh, they're 10 right now. If they jump two spots, I don't think that they have enough to get all the way to four. Yeah, they need to if be they in jump three seven. Or f- if they jump yeah. three spots... It sounds it sounds marginal, but if they jump that extra spot, yeah, I, I think, think you can justify moving them up well, to four. Especially, we're gonna, well, so we're going to know a lot about what the committee thinks based on what they say tonight here. Yes, and and if you think about it this way too, if you look at how much, um, who was it? Who was it in the in the top that struggled last week? Was it uh, was it Notre Dame? No, Notre Dame didn't struggle. No, Notre Dame was great. Um, anyways. It, that, that's neither here nor there. You know, you've got you've got Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, Michigan. I don't think the top three changed this week. I wonder. Oh if wow, Ohio State drops to ten. Ohio State stays at stays 10. at ten. They Sorry. were ten. Okay, so, so no, so that I don't. Tells us they're out. Yeah, I don't think no that chance. they have enough then at this point yeah. because of where they're ranked currently I uh, agree. to jump, even if they do beat Michigan. And I do think they beat Michigan. Um, but moving on to another game because uh, we've got a couple more games to cover. Uh, this is just a quick question, yes or no answer. Do you think Georgia Tech has what it takes to upset Georgia? No. Okay, moving along. Um, Alabama, do you think Auburn has enough to upset Alabama? No. Uh, only the Citadel had only enough, the and Citadel. they only had it for a half. Do you think South Carolina has enough to upset Clemson? No. Okay, moving right along. Do you think that Texas A&M finally gets their first win over LSU? Maybe. Okay. It's also, in, uh, UCF, College Station. UCF jumps to nine. So now all of a sudden they're Good. in the conversation, in my opinion. They're Potentially. Not really. they're Potentially. Not really. It's going to take a lot of things for Central Florida yeah. to make the college football playoff, including Utah, Pitt, and Northwestern all winning their conference <laughs> championships. A girl can dream. Uh, yeah, I, I, think, I think A&M's weak spot – on defense is the secondary, and LSU continues to not be able to throw the ball very well. Yeah. 
So I think there's a chance the Aggies can win it. Um, mm-hmm. It would be their first win over LSU in forever. Yeah. So you tend to pick against it. But I, I, I think the Aggies scrape by this weekend, and I'm going to hate every second of it, but they're going to get it done. I don't think they are. I think LSU is going to win this game. They just seem to have Texas A&M's yeah. number every year. Uh, so give me the Tigers. And the Tigers are sitting at seven. If enough crazy things happen, they may be, be able there. to move up three spots. Could be there. Um, uh, the next game, do you think USC has what it takes to knock off Notre Dame? God, I wish, but no, definitely. USC, well, and they just announced Clay Helton is coming back. Good uh, guy, Clay Helton, bad football coach at USC, Clay no, Helton. There's, so. there's a, um, a GoFundMe that was started by a couple of USC folks earlier today that, uh, that uh, wanted to raise money to fly a uh, fire Clay Helton banner from a plane over wow. the game on Saturday. Um it raised $3,500 in three hours, and it's still climbing. Washington yeah. State, by the way, stays at eight, so they're probably toast when it comes to the rankings. Um, yeah, so, you know, I, I really don't think we're going to see too much of too many surprises on, on Saturday. I think the week that we need to watch out for is December 2nd. I think we need to watch out for conference championship weekend. Yeah, I don't, I don't think we're going to get anything too exciting. I think it's going to be pretty much chalk from here on out. Watch out for Northwestern. I wish. Man, I wish. Yeah. LSU stays at seven. And you'll hear about all of the rest of the rankings later. But uh, for us right now, we need to get to a basketball game. Yeah. A very good game against a pretty good Lipscomb team. Uh, Mm -hmm. TCU gets Quatnoy and Jalen Fisher back tonight for at least a limited run. It'll be nice to see those guys play. I think that the Frogs have been lacking some scoring. Um, mm-hmm. Off of the bench, especially, and so being able to slot those guys back into the rotation to eventually maybe move RJ Nemhard back to the bench or, or put Quatnoy. It was a great six man last year. If he can come off the bench and provide a spark, I think I think there's some good things could happen for TC basketball. It really does. It really does give this team a boost when you consider the fact that you're getting Fisher and Noy back, and so like you said, that really impacts the bench and that the the second guys that are yeah. coming out it's, will be a little bit more experienced now, especially R.J. Nemhard. Yeah. I think this this run in the first three games has really helped him kind of find his footing this year. That kid He's is an a nice athletic player. freak. And yeah. you've got Lat Mayan, who's coming back from an injury and looks probably, hopefully, to be a little bit stronger than he was yeah. in game three. And he gets McWilliam is starting to play a little bit. He yeah, and he'll, good. He'll, we'll probably see him. And so you're really starting to get the full picture of TCU's depth tonight if kevin samuel plays like he's been playing when we get into the big 12 season all of a sudden this team becomes potentially fun scary and we haven't even scratched the surface with yeah i'm I'm excited about the pieces here maybe a year away but we need to spend next week's podcast talking a lot about kevin samuel because that kid is going to be an absolute monster for tcu but for now we're going to get out of your way because tcu basketball plays in about 45 minutes if you would so kindly go to itunes leave us a review Rate the podcast. It really helps put us in more ears. It helps with the iTunes algorithm. You can find the Frogs of War podcast wherever podcasts are distributed. Um, and so go and download and listen to the show. Do all that good stuff. I'm Jamie Plunkett. Melissa Treepwater. Go Frogs. Go Frogs.